Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Now, today we are on week six of our series titled The Gifts. And the vision behind this series is to teach you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he came to bring you power and he came to bring you freedom. And part of that freedom for your life is actual healing. Okay, the Bible tells us that the the Holy Spirit will bring the gift of healing over your body physically, but also emotional healing as well. And we've talked about that, that God can bring healing over your mind, over your heart, over your past hurt, over the things that have happened in your life. And you said you can never get over. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up and says, no, you'll be able to forgive. I'm going to walk you past this. I got something better for your life than holding on to this bitterness from the past. There will be healing for you. Okay. And we see that Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses four through nine about the gift of healing. He said, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, many different supernatural gifts that come from the spirit of God, but it's all from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit owns these gifts and he works them through us. Verse seven though, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Do you hear that? Is a spiritual gift only given to pastors? No, only elders? No, the gifts are given to all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, who follow him, willing to have faith that God could do the supernatural. That's all you need to do. You just need to be obedient in what he has for you. So a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can also brag about ourselves. No, the gifts have been given to you so that you can help each other. So you can build up the church, so that you can edify the church, so that when you see somebody who is struggling, God will give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to speak over their life to give them hope. And before you said, well, I I didn't know what to say, and I'm an awkward person, and every time I try to go up to people, I say the wrong thing, but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just took control of my mouth and said some amazing things. Have you been there before? You've seen God do something supernatural in your life. So the gifts have been given to us so that we can help each other, build each other up. So the Holy Spirit, listen, wants to work healing through you because that's what the gospel is all about. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but every time you see salvation in the Bible, it's usually grouped up with healing because the gospel is healing. The gospel brings salvation into our life, but it also brings physical healing and emotional healing as well. Let me show you a couple of examples. David said this in Psalms chapter 103, verse two and three. He said, may I never forget the good things God has done for me. May I never forget what the Lord has done for me. He forgives me of my sins, but guess what else? He heals me of my way, my diseases. He gives me salvation, but he also heals me of my physical diseases. This is what the Lord has done for me. First Peter chapter two, verse 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin. I love that. You're no longer in bondage to the sin you used to have in your life. I was speaking to somebody this morning who told me that before they used to have an addiction. They used to live for that addiction. But the moment the Holy Spirit showed up, they no longer desired those things anymore. God started to change this person's desire to desire the ways of the Lord. But you got to fall in love with him. You got to have a relationship with him. You got to actually pursue what God has for you because I've seen people also come in here and want the miracle, but they walk away from the Lord going right back to the same old patterns. 
the same old destructive things that hurt them before. You are dead to sin. You are not who you used to be. Walk towards Jesus. Live for what is right. This comes by the Holy Spirit. But then he also says, by his wounds, by the wounds that Jesus had upon the cross, you are also physically healed. There is salvation and there is healing. This is the gospel. So let me ask you this question. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Let's say that one more time. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes, Yes, I pray that you all do. Okay, that's salvation. But wouldn't it be odd for him to still do one but not the other? Because according to the word of God, God's character doesn't change. Jesus' character doesn't change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, the same today, and the same tomorrow. He will not change. And so when I study the ministry of Jesus, I started to notice some things. First of all, most of his ministry on earth was about performing healings, performing miraculous healings. In fact, over 70% of his ministry was about healing the sick and casting out demons. Over 70%. What does your walk with God look like right now? What are you doing on a daily basis? Are you believing God for the impossible? Are you even laying hands on on some people? Or maybe you want to lay hands in a different way. You're struggling with that. But God is saying, no, instead of hurting them, I want you to pray over them instead. Over 70% of his ministry was about healing the sick, casting out demons. The four gospels record 37 miracles. But that wasn't all, because we know that Jesus did even more than that. John chapter 21, verse 25, this is a cool verse. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world would not be able to contain the books that would be written. That's my Lord. That's my Jesus. That's what he can do. You can't even write it all down in the book because he does so many different things. Supernatural things because he loves you. Looking at the ministry of Jesus, the blind was able to see, the lame was able to walk, the mute was able to speak, and the dead was raised from the grave. That was the ministry of Jesus. And what do we say over our lives? Well, I want to live more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to honor Jesus and what I'm going through. Jesus, listen, Jesus brought healing to people. What are you bringing people? Let's get real for a second. Are you bringing healing into other people's lives or are you bringing more pain and more hurt? Instead of forgiving and letting go of old grudges, are you holding on so tight that you're becoming numb? You're becoming cold because they hurt me in the past and I'll never let it go. Yet God has given you grace every day. And one day you will stand before the Lord and God will say, listen, I have given you grace, but yet you won't let go of something they did to you. You won't give it over to me so that you can see a healing over your heart, over your mind, over your soul. You have tormented yourself because you keep replaying what happened in the past when you could lay it down at the altar and you could lay it down before the presence of God today. And so this stood out to me. When I look at the ministry of Jesus, I realized to live like Jesus is to live a life that brings healing to other people. That is the ministry of Jesus. That's what Jesus has called you to do. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. But this is also where we get confused because we know Jesus can heal. But we also live in a fallen world where people that we love, people that we have prayed over, did not get the healing we expected from God, right? 
We live in a fallen world. We've seen devastating things. We're looking at the news right now. We're seeing people tormented by horrific people. There are people that have lost their lives. And maybe in your life right now, somebody that you love is battling cancer or battling a sickness, or maybe it's you, or maybe you feel like you're losing your mind and you're praying to God, God, can you bring me a healing? Like, I know, Jesus, you can do it, but how come I'm not receiving it today? And so I want to do my best today to answer those questions. So the title of today's message is this, Power to Heal. Power to Heal. I want to help you understand the purpose of healing, why God heals, but also why God doesn't at times to the best of my abilities. Let's go ahead and dive in. Point number one is this, Jesus has given you authority to heal. And I want you to see this by his word. This is not just something I'm saying. I'm going to show you out of the text, okay? Because for many of us today, when it comes to the subject of healing, we would say, well, of course, pastor, that's Jesus. And we're looking at the examples of Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the son of God. We worship Jesus. Of course, Jesus was able to heal the sick and do supernatural things. But I'm going to show you today, according to the word of God, every supernatural miracle Jesus performed was by the power of the Holy Spirit because he was humbling himself and teaching us that we can live this life of freedom and power by the spirit of God. Did you know the first miracle of Jesus was recorded after he received the Holy Spirit? There is not one miracle of Jesus recorded of him doing before he received the Holy Spirit. He received the Holy Spirit in John chapter one. John chapter one, verse 32. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him, resting upon Jesus. Then the very next chapter, Jesus performs his very first miracle. Look at the text with me. John chapter two, verse 11, okay? This was the first of all the miraculous signs that Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He was at a wedding. He turned water into wine. That's what he did here. That was the first miraculous sign that Jesus performed. He did it in the town of Cana and Galilee, but he showed his divine greatness and his followers started to believe in him. They started to realize, wow, he has supernatural power, but there's not one miracle recorded of Jesus performing until after he received the Holy Spirit to show us how we can live on this earth, to show you that you are not powerless that you are not defenseless, that you are not on your own. The spirit of God is there. He will hold your hand and he will give you strength when you feel weak. When you feel like everything is crashing down around you, he will give you words of wisdom and words of knowledge to see a miracle right around the corner. But the Bible states that Jesus had this power by the Holy Spirit as well. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and you know that God, Yahweh, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the, listen, with the Holy Spirit. He anointed his son with the Holy Spirit with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. What good did he do? He started to heal. Notice the Bible mentions that so much about the ministry of Jesus. He started to heal and heal all those that were oppressed by the devil for the father was with his son by the power of the Holy Spirit moving through his lives. It would change your life to live like this. It would change your life today to walk out of this place and realize that God has given you power by his Holy Spirit and he wants to help people through you that no matter how bad it looks, God is still in control. 
And then this revelation should blow you away. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. The spirit of God, the same spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives where? I mean, pay attention to the verse. How powerful is that? You can't just read that and be like, all right, let's go to lunch. You know what I mean? Like, come on, that is lunch. Like God just served you something that will make you full for the rest of your life. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you to do miraculous things. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. He says it twice to confirm that it's true. He's getting your attention. Don't miss it. I'm going to say it again and again and again. The same Holy Spirit lives inside of you today. And Jesus has given you his authority to heal. For authority comes in the name of Jesus. Um, I want to encourage you today. If the atmosphere of your house or your workplace feels dark and heavy and depressed, start speaking out loud the name of Jesus Christ. The atmosphere starts to change. Uh, a story that kind of makes me laugh in the past, I remember being at this gym and you know, in the gym, I feel like a lot of guys just want to act hard and stuff like that. And so usually when they're working out, they, they start cussing a lot, you know, because they think that it makes them look hard. And so they're pushing and these guys are just saying all kinds of things and I'm right beside them and I got my, my headphones on and all that kind of stuff. But I started working out and I said, well, I'm gonna do the opposite. Praise Jesus. I don't know what I'm doing right here. I guess I'm doing cables. <laughs> Praise Jesus. I'm doing triceps right now. Praise Jesus. I love Jesus. He's so good. And they started to, shh. I think that's a pastor right there. Okay, they saw this happen in the physical, right? But they didn't understand in the spiritual. When I said the name of Jesus, those demons had to shut up. Those demons had to be quiet at that very moment. These men were speaking curses on their life. They were speaking things of the enemy. They were in agreement with bad things for their life until I said the name of Jesus. And they said, Shoo. let's not talk anymore. Everything starts to change when you mention the authority that's in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. This is a very interesting story because Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're in Jerusalem and he starts unpacking some of these revelations that are going to take place in the future. Some of these prophetic things that would happen in their time, but listen, also happen in the end days. And so the first thing Jesus told his disciples is said, look, you see the buildings, you see the temple that stands here today. One day it will not be here. In fact, when the temple was completed, six years later, it was destroyed. When it was completed, six years later, it was destroyed. Jesus already knew this. Mark chapter 13, verse two, Jesus replied, look at the great buildings but they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Not only that, but then Jesus starts to talk about all the persecutions that they would go through. He said, listen, after I leave to be at the right hand of the Father, there's gonna be many false prophets that come. There's gonna be many people that say that they are me. They're lying to you. There's gonna be rumors of wars and wars are gonna take place. Persecution's gonna happen for your life, but do not give up, God knows. The father knows everything that the enemy is trying to throw at his believers. Nothing will take our God by surprise. Jesus spoke it all right here in Mark chapter 13, verses five through seven. Jesus said, don't let anyone mislead you, meaning you can test the spirits. 
And we're gonna talk about that next week as well, how you can test the spirits to know if something supernatural is from God or from the enemy. But Jesus said, for many will come in my name, claiming that they are the Messiah and they will deceive many. You will hear of wars, you'll hear threats of wars, but don't panic. This will not catch God by surprise. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. And he's talking to them because they would witness a lot of different things. The early believers thought that the Roman emperor Nero was the antichrist because he was so horrible to the Christians. He burnt down half of Rome and blamed it on the Christians. So they thought he was the antichrist. But Jesus said, listen, you're gonna witness a lot of horrible things, but it's not gonna come suddenly. There's gonna be time. Why is there going to be time? Did you know the Bible says there will be time because God desires for everyone to be saved? That's love. That's grace. How long did you turn your back on God and turn away from him day after day after day? Jesus could have come back then. Tribulations could have started at that moment. We could have lost our opportunity even for the rapture, but still it has not happened because that's grace. God is speaking over you so that you give him your heart. He said, but do not worry about these things. Don't panic. For these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. But then Jesus starts to talk about his second coming. Okay, and this is really fascinating to me because he also gives us details of how we should live today waiting on his return. Here's what he said in Mark chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. He said, heaven and earth will disappear. The things that you see today will disappear, but the word of God will never disappear. The word of God, the prophetic word of God, what God has spoken, his promises will be here even when nothing else is. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. And since you do not know when the time will come, listen, be on guard, stay alert. Will you look to somebody next to you and say, stay alert? You better wake up right now, stay alert. Pay attention to what God is revealing, what God is doing. Like I said, we need to pay attention to what's happening in Israel because that points to the signs of prophecy taking place before our very eyes. And if we're coming close to the end days, if we're coming close to the rapture of the church and the starting of tribulation and all these things happening in our life, then God placed you here at this time for a reason. You ever thought about that? If you're here in the end days, God placed you right here, right now to do something big. Because when we're in the kingdom of God, I wonder if the disciples will come up to us and be like, so what did you do? What did you do? We, we thought that time was coming in our time. What did you do when that happened? Well, I was, you know, I was on Instagram for a while and I posted something on TikTok and, you know, I think five people saw it, you know? Don't get so caught up in the mess of your life. And when I say mess of your life, I mean the little things, the little petty things, the little disagreement. Somebody hurt me here, said something about me, and you start thinking about it for days because you will not let it go. And prophecy is unfolding before your very eyes. God is saying, now is not the time to hold a grudge. Everything could change tomorrow. In an instant, in a moment, you need to stay alert. That's the responsibility as a follower in Christ. But then he also gave us more responsibilities. And I love this. Look at verses 34 through 37. 
He said, it's like a man going to a faraway country. And again, Jesus is talking about himself going to be at the right hand of the father in the kingdom of heaven for a time. But he says, he left his house. Will you do me a favor? Will you underline house? He left his house, or maybe you could write it down in your notes. He left his house and he also gave authority, underline authority as well. So he left his house, he gave authority to his servants and to each his work. The last thing you need to write down is work. What responsibility did Jesus give us as we wait on his second return? His house, he's given us authority and he has work for us to do. And he commanded also the doorkeeper to keep watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, talking about Jesus. He can come in the evening at midnight at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. But what I say to you, listen to this, I say to all. Jesus knew that in 2023, we would still be preaching and reading this word. So Jesus said, I'm saying it to you, but I'm saying it to everybody else that believes in me as well. My servants, my followers, I need you to pay attention. I need you to watch. But what's going on? My prophecy unfolding before your very eyes. So I want to break down what Jesus said is our responsibility. The first responsibility that Jesus gave us was over the house of God. This is the house of God that we are to worship, that we are to bring people here, that we are to invite people here to be set free, to no longer be in bondage of something of their past or an addiction and say, you know what? I came to this place. Jesus changed me. I got to invite you to. I know that I may look crazy today, but God has given me a joy because his house is that good. I give to the Lord. I praise you, Jesus, because you have given me everything good in my life. That's the house. You're responsible for the house of God to show up, to listen to his word, to produce the goodness of God. The second thing that I want to talk about is the work, work for the gospel. This means to serve for the ministry, to be a part of the family. And so one of my favorite things here at the church is that we have a crew. And what that means is that you can serve on a team. We have people that travel here every Sunday from like two and a half hours away just to serve here and greet you and love on you because they love what God is doing here. When you become part of the crew, you get to know people, you become family. And then we have tribes and our tribes are small groups, meaning you can start to talk about your struggles in life. Meaning you can be with other people that have gone through hard things, things in their life, and you can relate to each other. You can express your pain. You can pray over each other. It's time to get to work and set our eyes upon Jesus in a brand new way. It's also accountability. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of people, and I'm blessed for this, and I'm honored of this. A lot of people want to come see me for counseling, but I'll tell them over and over again, I'll pray over you and I'll counsel you. But what you need is accountability. You need a group that speaks to you every day that says, hey man, you doing okay today? Or hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying over your situation right now. You feel lost. I'm here. I'm the same way. I need encouragement too. That's the work. And you know what I love about the work of God? It leads to freedom. When you live in sin, you live in bondage. But when you work for the Lord, you start to move into freedom. And there's healing over your heart and over your life. But then Jesus also said, listen, there's a house. There's work, but I've given you authority. All believers in Jesus Christ, I've given you authority. What does authority in Christ look like according to the word of God? 
Matthew chapter 10, verse one. I love this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to do what? To cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. This is the authority that is in Jesus Christ. But many would say, but pastor, that's only for the 12. Jesus wasn't talking to us today. He's only talking for the 12. But that is a lie according to the word. Let me show you why. Luke chapter 10, verse one. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, 72 others. And he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and the places that he planned to visit. Verse eight and nine, if you enter into a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever, sit before them and then just leave. Eat their food and leave. <laughs> We're good at that. No, go into their house that they welcome you and bring healing into their life. Bring healing upon their bodies, bring healing upon their soul. Heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near. Do you see it again? Salvation and healing always come together. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. Jesus, the Messiah is here. Right before your very eyes, he was telling them. And because Jesus is here, there is healing. When Jesus shows up, there's healing that takes place. There's healing that comes from the authority that is in Jesus Christ. So what happened? Did they think it was just awkward? Did they walk away, not come back? Let's see what happened. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 19. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Because at this time, there was a lot of Jewish mysticism and they would try to perform exorcisms, but they couldn't really cast out the demons. They had never seen this before until Jesus showed up. That's what's so cool. When the man had a legion of demons, everybody was afraid of him. Remember the story? They tried to chain him up. They tried to lock him down. Nobody could contain him. But the moment he said he saw Jesus, he, he was scared. What do you have to do with the son of God? That's what they said to Jesus. Nobody had seen that type of authority before. So they said, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, but look, I have given you authority. Authority over all the powers of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and you can crush them. Nothing will injure you. Meaning in the, in the past, you had demonic oppression in your life. You had addictions in your life. You had hate in your life. Maybe you had lust in your life and you used to be enslaved to those things. But now the Holy Spirit says, crush them. Okay. I can walk in freedom because everywhere I walk, I'm crushing what the enemy used to place in my life. I'm no longer afraid of the demons that come against me. I no longer run from the enemy because I know the authority that I have in the name of Jesus Christ. They will try to come against you, but they will not injure you. You know what kind of peace that is? That's healing of itself. That God can restore. You can look at somebody who hurt you from the past and say, you know what? It doesn't hurt me anymore. And for some of you, you never thought you'd get there. Let's be honest. What that person did to you, what that person said about you, how they hurt you, how they tormented you, whatever they did to come against you, you thought for the longest time you would never be able to forgive them. But the Holy Spirit says it's time to forgive. And now you look at them and you still see them as a child of God. 
And God has given you peace to move forward and no longer be bothered. I pray you receive that type of healing today. Because that healing is available for you at this very moment. And it, just, it doesn't just end here. It goes with you to your house, to your workplace, with your families. Everywhere you go, there is healing because that is the ministry of Jesus. But what did Jesus tell his disciples about the Holy Spirit? He said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power. And in the text, it says dunamis power, explosive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now these people are able to go everywhere and tell people about Jesus, meaning the Holy Spirit may lead you places you don't want to go. The Holy Spirit may lead you back into your family to tell them about Jesus. When you go into that workplace and you're like, God, why do I work here? I can't stand this job. Everybody's miserable. And God says, well, they're miserable because they don't know about me. Maybe it's time you tell them. Okay. <laughs> I'll do something different to be a light in the darkness. This is how the gospel is spread. And then what do the disciples tell us as believers in Jesus? Acts chapter two, verse 38 and 39, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Here it is, here it is again, salvation. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that is promised to you and to your, your children. This hit me so heavy because I believe that there are many parents in the room who have tried their best to make sure that their son or their daughter loves the Lord but it feels like it's out of your control. And maybe you feel like that situation has just become chaotic and all you can do is give it over to the Lord. Listen, God is in control. And the same Holy Spirit that showed up in your life and melted your heart is the same Holy Spirit that will show up in your children's life and melt their heart as well. Every night when I put my kids to bed, me and my wife, we pray over our children. And this is what I pray. I pray that they know the love of God. I pray that they encounter the love of God and I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead them because that's what changed me. I can't force that to happen though. That has to be by the Spirit of God. Meaning, listen, you can have peace as a parent today just to release it to God. God, do what I can't do over my child. Free them of the addiction. Free them of just being rebellious right now. Free them, oh Lord, because I've done as much as I can. The Holy Spirit is a promise for you and your children and those that are far away too. Those that have done wrong, those that have done many mistakes can come to Jesus and be saved today, restored today. All who have been called by the Lord our God can be saved. And the Holy Spirit living inside of you. This is a gift. This is healing. And the Holy Spirit wants to work the gift of healing through your life. Jesus has given you authority to speak his name for that healing. Will you do it? Will you do it today? At the end of this message, or maybe when you go home, ask God, what do I need to allow you to heal? What hurt, what pain have I been holding on to? And it's time to let it go today. Allow God to bring that healing. Point number two is this, though. Jesus has given you authority, but Jesus also commands healing. 
And again, every time he sent his disciples out, he commanded them to go heal. Hey, eat at their homes, but also bring healing. Tell them that salvation is near right now. So I want you to take a look at the story in Luke chapter seven, verses two through six. And it states that at this time, this highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and he was near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. I need you to, uh, to see this first. The Roman officer had a kind and compassionate heart because according to Roman law, if a slave was not able to fulfill their duties, he had the right and the legal right to kill his slave. But instead of killing his slave, he heard that Jesus was near. And he said, Jesus, I want him to come heal you. So he sends out Jewish elders. We read that. We don't think about that. That is very rare, okay? Because he is a Roman officer working for the government of Rome that is oppressing the Jews, yet he's sending out the Jewish elders to go out. Why would they go out and do something for him? Listen, because they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said. For he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. This man loved the Lord and he was around people that should not love him back, but because he had the love of God, they valued him. Meaning, in whatever circumstance you're in, wherever you go and you feel like people don't like you, the moment you start giving your life over to the Lord, the moment you start showing them a love they can't find in this world, their thoughts about you start to change. God puts a favor over your life because you're leading them into his holy presence. And so they went out and then it says, Jesus went with them. But just because, or just before they arrived at the house, listen to this, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming into my home for I am not worthy of such an honor. Now, wait a minute, this was a Roman officer. He already had very high honor among the people. Not only that, but even the Jewish elders spoke very highly of him. Notice his wording here. When everybody else spoke highly of him, instead of taking that glory for himself, he wanted to give that glory over to the Lord. He didn't even think of himself uh, worthy enough to be under the same roof as Jesus at this moment, to be in the presence of Jesus. So he knew that if he just asked Jesus to do it without even physically seeing him, the miracle would take place. You see the blessing here? You see his amazing faith, meaning when people gave him honor, he turned that honor over to God. That's how you defeat a spirit of pride. When people start to give you glory, when people put you on that pedestal, listen, you don't wanna be on the pedestal because I'm telling you today, people will praise you one day and they will hate you the next day as soon as you make one mistake. Only Jesus Christ can be on that pedestal. And he realized that. So when he received the honor, he brought it over to the Lord. This is how you defeat a spirit of pride because what does pride say? Pride will tell you that you're worthy. Pride will tell you that you're anointed, right? You know everything. You will never say, I'm sorry, ever, because you know everything. You know somebody like that? Maybe at your workplace, maybe in your family, maybe you're married to him <laughs> or her. <laughs> and you're like, pastor, please pray for me today. I haven't heard I'm sorry in 15 years, okay? It's been a, been a long time. But I do want you to understand this pride originated with Satan. And it's an attitude straight from the pit of hell. 
Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. Hell is a place of destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is your greatest enemy, but humility is your greatest friend. Pride is your greatest enemy, but humility is your greatest friend. Let's continue. Verse 7 through 10. This is what the man said. He said, I'm not even worthy to come and meet you, Jesus. But just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. If I say go, then they go. If I say come, then they come. If I say to my slaves, do this, then they do it. Meaning, he knew that he had the authority to tell other people what to do, and they would do it. Just like a police officer would have authority within their badge. The moment they show their badge, you have to listen. Or there will be consequences. Meaning, okay, in the spiritual world around us, when the enemy starts to attack you, you hold up the authority of Jesus Christ. You got a badge in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm here and I will protect you from the enemy. But it amazes me that even though we're not worthy to be in the presence of God, hear me out, he still meets with us every single time even though we have made so many mistakes, even though there have been times in our life where we have ran away from God and said, God, I want this for my life. I want that relationship. I desire this. I want this. And I know better than you. God says, okay, let me hand you over to Satan then. But when you realize the world is not what you thought it would be, I will still be here. I will meet you exactly where you are. I will still bring healing on your life. We are not worthy for the grace of God. Yet he gives it to us. It is a free gift for our life to believe in what he has for us. In fact, I was thinking of this building. And if you don't know this, but before this building was ever a church, it used to be a bar. And there were people, some of y'all are like, oh, what stories are we bringing up right now? Some people that are in this church today used to party here, used to be here all night, used to work here. Okay, not only that, used to sing here when it was a bar, and some of y'all even been kicked out of the bar, okay? It's okay. Isn't it crazy that God would bring you back here to show you that there is nothing impossible for God to restore, to show you that there is nothing too far gone, too bad for God to not be able to redeem and restore? God brought you back in the same place, maybe where you stumbled to show you not only can he redeem this building, he can redeem your life today. It doesn't matter what you said before. It doesn't even matter what you said last night. You can run to this altar today and give it over to the Lord and see that change at this very moment. We're not worthy for the healing, but healing comes because of God's grace and his love for you. So let's continue the story. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friend returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. He didn't even have to physically see Jesus, but he believed Jesus could bring a healing upon his life. But did you know that Jesus was amazed of two things in the gospels? The first thing that he was amazed of was faith like this. The second thing was unbelief. What would Jesus be amazed of in your own life today? Would Jesus be amazed of your faith? Or does a lot of doubt come out of your mouth? 
a lot of unbelief coming from your heart. Jesus has given you authority to heal until he returns and he commands healing by his name. Let me read one more verse before I go into my last point. James chapter five, verse 13 and 14, listen to this. If any of you are suffering hardships, you should pray. Not condemn, not take revenge, not hurt, not curse. You should pray. If any of you are happy, you should sing praises. If any of you are sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Notice that. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. But just like, okay, to be forgiven, you have to confess your sins. You have to confess to be forgiven. Well, you have to reveal to the Lord in order to be healed. Reveal to God what needs to be healed. Some of us are still hiding that pain, still holding on to the past and the mistakes from the things that took place. Be healed today. But my last point is this, and this is the hardest point of the whole sermon today. Sometimes the healing will not be physical. There are times in your life where the healing will not be physical, meaning sometimes there is a reason, there is a thorn in your side, and God will not take it away. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. He said, I've received such wonderful revelations from God. And he did. He had prophecies from the Lord. He did miraculous things. But he said, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. God allowed a demon to torment Paul. And we don't really know what it was. We don't know what was happening according to or on his body, but we know that it was spiritual and physical as well. But he said that God allowed this Satan or Satan brought this demon to torment me so that I would not become proud. Listen to this. Three different times I begged God. Three different times I begged God, take it away. I'm tired of this hurt. I'm tired of this pain. And each time God spoke and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. And my power works best in weakness, meaning no one is immune to the dangers of pride. But when we think about a thorn, a lot of times we think about something really small, kind of like a thumbtack, right? It's, it's sharp. It's annoying. Imagine that being in your side every day when you kind of roll over in the bed or, or try to get up. It just, it's just there, right? It hurts a lot of times. And to my amazement, this is not what Paul was talking about when he said thorn. And when I look at the root word, of thorn. You know what he actually was talking about? Something like this. This is what Paul was talking about. This is why Paul pleaded with God every day over and over again. God, take this pain away from my life. Can you imagine this type of pain in your life? Maybe right now, you know what this feels like. Maybe there is physical pain over your body right now. Every time you get up, every time you try to move, it hurts. You can't even do normal social events anymore because your body will not allow you. You can't do the things you used to enjoy because your body hurts. For some of you, it's a past pain that you're reminded of over and over again. It's replaying in your mind. It is this hurt in your side and you're saying, God, take it away. Take this from me. I pleaded with you. Paul had seen miraculous things. 
Isn't that crazy? God used Paul to heal other people. God used Paul to see miracles, gave him revelations, yet he would not take this thorn away from him. In the New King James Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, a messenger of Satan came to buffet me, meaning he punched me. He was black and blue from the torment that he went through. And again, that might be you today. You feel black and blue. You feel beaten by life. And you're like, if God is good, how come he hasn't taken this away? I've heard about healings. I've seen supernatural things in my life, but he won't take this away right now. Let me make something very clear. There was nothing wrong with Paul's prayer. Let me also say something else. There was nothing wrong with Paul's faith. Because I've heard people before that are going through torment and, and Christians who mean well have gone up to them and said, well, you just didn't have enough faith to be healed. It's your fault. Pretty much that you're not being healed right now. You did not have enough faith. There was nothing wrong with Paul's faith. There was nothing wrong with Paul's prayer. But this revelation gave me chills. Listen, when nothing happened, that's when Paul received an answer from God instead. Meaning, just because God can doesn't mean he should. There are times in our life, just because God can doesn't mean he should. Just because God can give you the new job doesn't mean you're ready for the position. Just because God can give you the relationship right now doesn't mean you're mature enough to handle the temptations that come along with that relationship. And God knows what you're going to fall under, what you'll bring into your life. So just because God can doesn't mean he should. And sometimes he's actually blessing you by not allowing what you want to take place, even when it comes to physical healing at times. Because this is what he prayed. He prayed to God for healing, but instead received this answer. Verse 9 and 10. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, Paul said, I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. I have joy when I hear insults. Maybe that's you. I know what it feels like to speak up about Jesus and say controversial things that are truthful according to the word of God, but there's a lot of hate out there for the word of God. And people will attack you and they will attack your character. But Paul says, you know, be joyful in that. You're not living for this world. This life in this earth is very, very short. You're living for what comes next. Be joyful when they come after you because you're doing the right thing. When they insult you, when hardships come your way, when persecutions take place and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Ryan, will you bring those dumbbells up here real quick? Ryan's going to represent the Holy Spirit right now. That's why he's so bowed up. Okay. Give me these real quick. Here's what a lot of us do. All right. God, I feel some weight right now in my life. It's a little heavy, right? My body's taking a toll right now and there's things happening. So God, can you just remove the weight? Can you take away this pain? Because I'm, I'm trying to get by every single day and sometimes I'm just trying to keep up with people and it's hard and it's heavy. I'm out of breath. I'm going through this, these physical issues right now. God, can you just take it all away? God, I know you can. How come I'm still holding the weight? Listen, God can bring physical healing into your life. Paul knew that God could take away the weight. 
That wasn't God's answer, though. Let me show you something else that God does in our life when he doesn't give you the physical healing that you're wanting. This is what he's telling Paul. My grace is enough for you. See, you wanted me to take the weight out of your life, but I'm sending my spirit to make your shoulders stronger than they were before. I will give you strength that you did not have before because in this pain, in this weight, you will learn the things that you need to learn to grow in me. I will give you strength and you will not grow weary. You will not grow tired or faint. You will keep going. I just made you stronger. Thank you, brother. Y'all give him a round of applause. That's what Paul's talking about. That's healing. That Jesus is making you stronger. Some of us have been through very hard things. Some of us have gone through things because of rebellion, because we live in a fallen world, because the people we love didn't live for God anymore. We've been through hardships. But you know what's crazy? Even through those hardships, I've talked to people and they said, you know what? I wouldn't take it back because God showed up and taught me things that I never want to forget. God revealed to me things that I never want to forget. I'm glad I went through the pain because I know how much strength the Lord can give me today. His grace is sufficient. And so this blew me away because it's God's purpose. Listen, God has a purpose even when we don't receive physical healing. Because what good is your body being healed if your soul is still sickened by sin? Think about that. If you're still in bondage and still in past hurt, still in anger, still in pride, God will not take away what is needed to save you. And so I remember this story when I was a youth pastor. I remember receiving a a horrible text about one of my students and he was texting and driving and he got in a bad wreck. And so I rushed to the hospital and I saw hundreds of students come to the hospital and they were praying outside and his, his family was scared and they were praying. I, I have seen God heal. I've seen God heal my students before. I've, I've seen him do miraculous things that I couldn't explain. And so I know that he could do it again. And we were in the hospital and we're praying and we're believing and we're praying and we're believing. And then the doctor came out said that he didn't make it and I watched his family and just broken apart in tears and I watched all these students crying their eyes out because that was their friend and I remember asking God like why he was a senior in high school he was about to graduate had his whole life ahead of him why and so it wasn't long after that I was in the sanctuary. And all these students came into the sanctuary, and this is what blew me away. These students were numb to the gospel for a long time. There are many times that I preached and others preached, and they just didn't care to listen. But for the first time, I saw them really worshiping Jesus, giving their life over to Him, and realizing that life can be very short. Why would you 
this to a family member today because you're angry. When there's a chance you can never see them again. Why would you allow this torment and this hate in your heart and hold on to something so bad? When everything can take place tomorrow, all life can change. And I saw, I saw these students who started giving their life over to Christ and I saw this revival take place. And I realized because of his death, so many other students were giving their life over to Christ. And then I remember hearing this story from the mom. And she said one night she was asleep and she was in her living room in the dream. And she saw her son. And she saw this light around him. And he was joyful. He had peace. And he was happy. And at that very moment, God gave her peace that he was taking care of her son. But I witnessed so many people coming to Christ. Listen, we live in a fallen world. This life is short. And I realized even if God heals your body today, one day we're all still gonna die. We're still gonna meet our maker. So this life is short, but where we're going, that's what matters. And where we're going, if we're in the presence of Jesus, there will no longer be any hurt, no longer be any pain, no longer be any sickness in your life. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain because all these things will be gone forever. And God healed today. Yes, he can. Jesus has given us authority as believers to see healing in our life. Jesus has commanded healing. But there are times that Jesus does not bring the physical healing you want. And sometimes it's healing on your heart, it's healing on your mind, and it's salvation. I want to ask you a very serious question. What do you need healing over today? I'm asking you to stand up right here. I want our prayer team to come up front. Because for some of us right now, there is a past hurt, a past pain, a past anger of what a family member did to you, of what an old relationship did to you, how you felt broken and lost in the moment, how you felt like you were going nowhere. Maybe you were crying out to God for a physical healing over your body or over someone else. And it didn't take place the way you thought it would. And maybe you just need peace today holy spirit he is the comforter and he will come upon you and sometimes when we don't see physical healing we get the answer we need from the lord but sometimes god does bring physical healing as well and so if it's something on your heart something heavy right now in your relationship i'm telling you right now you can run to this altar you can ask for somebody to pray over you and the holy spirit will give you strength to keep going i pray that you receive this healing today of this worship song. We're going to declare what God has done. And if you need healing, come up front. I want to pray over you. We want to pray over you. But come up front. Don't be afraid. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.